Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, August the 9th, 2022. It is currently 9.13 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, how do you respond when you hear someone tell a story that they believed in the Bible, they, they, they believed in Jesus, they were a Christian, and they were studying the Bible, studying the Word of God. They may have got, been going to Bible college, they've been going to seminary, and then all of a sudden they realized it's all a lie. It's not true. The Bible is not trustworthy. The Bible is not true. Christianity is false. How do you respond? How do, how do you react to those kinds of stories? Now, what a lot of Christians simply do is like, well, they were never a believer in the first place. They, they never truly believed. And so, and, and it's almost like just whatever. Their claims are irrelevant. I'm just going to be dismissive of them. They were never truly a believer in the first place. So I'm just going to dismiss their issues and their concerns because obviously it's not that big a deal. They just didn't have any faith. Now, I, from a theological perspective, I have no problem saying there were never truly a believer because I believe that no one can lose their salvation. I believe in the perseverance of the saints. We could go through all of those theological issues, but I, I do get somewhat frustrated at how dismissive Christians can be. Here's someone who's saying, look, I was there. I was studying the Bible. I was in Bible college. I was in seminary. And then it, it, it all blew up. It all fell apart. I'm always, at least for me, I don't like when people are dismissive of it and just go, well, they never believed in the first place. Not my problem. Let's just continue on because it's easy to see that the Bible is true. It's no big deal. It's no problem. And I'm always like, I don't like that attitude. For me, I at least want to hear, so what, where did everything go wrong? What happened? What happened? Well, I mean, you, you were studying the Bible and all of a sudden you came across a certain verse, you came across a certain passage, you came across a certain chapter, you came across a certain doctrine, you came across a certain idea within theology and everything blew up. I, I always want to investigate because sometimes I believe, and I do believe this to be true, that it really had nothing to do with the Bible. It really had nothing to do with theology, a doctrine. It really had nothing to do with any of that. What it had something to do with is they decided that they wanted to live a lifestyle that the Bible condemns, and they decided, you know what? Forget these rules. Forget this system of morality. I'm going to go live the, my life the way I want to, and I'm not going to live with guilt and shame and embarrassment. I'm going to pursue this. And I think sometimes... People try to use some intellectual reason for objecting to Christianity that they've proven the Bible is not true or they've proven this is not true, when in reality, it had nothing to do with that. That's just kind of their their justification. They can feel justified. See, I proved that Christianity is not true. Now I can go live the life that I want to live. But in many cases, they didn't really try that hard <laughs> to disprove what they're using as their argument against Christianity. Sometimes that's just a facade. So I, I but at the same time, I don't want to just immediately accuse someone of that. I don't want to immediately accuse, oh, come on. The reality is, you just wanted to live your life your way. And so you're just coming up with a supposed academic argument against Christianity. We know it's a facade. I, and I'm not going to say that, but I will ask questions 
to see if I can really get down to the the bottom of the story. What what's the truth? What's the truth? Now, sometimes they may finally admit, you know what, you're right. I don't really care about apologetics or or why. I, I don't care. I'm not going to go investigate it. I'm just using that because I want to live my own life. And I, and I can respect when people are honest like that. But there are others that genuinely, they felt that in that as they claimed to be a Christian, as they pursued maybe seminary education, some some advanced biblical education, that they came across something that was just too earth shattering for them. That, that they were like, I can't get around this. There's no way Christianity can be true. This is the the straw. This this is the the the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. This is this is the the thing that does it. This was this was a bridge too far. Whatever words that they use to describe it. And I and when I hear that, I don't want to be dismissive. I want to be like, wow. What that okay, that really did bother you. So so tell me, how did you discover this problem? And tell me what did you do to, to resolve it? And how many things did you read? And how come you didn't feel like any of the answers you were given were suitable or, or acceptable? Like and, and I really want to hear their struggle because we have to be willing to listen to it. I think for some Christians, they just immediately get defensive. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You're telling me Christianity is not true. Well, let me tell you, the Bible's the inspired word of God. How dare you question it? And sometimes we almost come out, you know, basically swinging a bat at them, put the bat down and go, wow, you know, wow, that, that's, that's difficult. Now, the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because, well, (laughs) I, 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 I don't want to do this, but I think we're about to uh, begin a series where we're going to be looking at one scripture that at least for one individual, this was a bridge too far. This was the straw that broke the camel's back. This was the, the, the fire that burned the house down. This was whatever word, this was the dam that bust, burst open and flooded, uh, uh, you know, out their faith. However you want to describe it, this was the issue, and for this individual, while studying the Bible, they came across one verse, one verse in the book of Mark, and that was the beginning of the end of their faith. That was the beginning of the beginning of the end of their trust in the Word of God. That was the beginning of their end. That was the beginning of the end of their having anything to do with Christianity other than spent dedicating their life criticizing Christianity and writing books saying that the Bible isn't accurate. All because of one verse in the Gospel of Mark. Here's the story. Listen carefully. In the introductory section of his 2005 best-selling book, Misquoting Jesus, Bart Ehrman pointed to one verse in the Gospel of Mark as being the reason for him renouncing his belief in divine inspiration of Scripture and eventually leading to his abandonment of Christianity entirely. One verse. Now, now let me make it very clear. If, if I was to hear this story with someone, just, just so that you clearly understand my approach, my first thing would be, 
Okay, I wouldn't even really want to argue with them about Mark 2.26. Like if if someone told me this, that this is what was happening to them, I wouldn't even want to argue with them with Mark 2.26. I would try to figure out, is it really Mark 2.26 that's causing you all of these issues or is there something deeper? Is there a lifestyle you want? Is there something you're pursuing and you know Christianity will condemn it and you're going to have to live with guilt and shame because if that if if the issue is not really Mark 2:26 we're wasting our time debating and fighting and trying to shove apologetics books down their throats and that's some that's sometimes Christians approach oh oh you think it's wrong well here you go boom here's apologetics book number 1 and wait here i got 10 hours of 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 video of debates of people proving and 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 it doesn't work and it doesn't help because the person really doesn't care that there's a deeper issue so I, I always want to figure out what the deeper issue is. Now, if they say, no, Mark 2.26, it's, I'm, I'm three seconds away from walking away, then I'd be like, okay. So first thing I would want to do is just try to listen to them. Okay, how did you discover this? Okay, so why why do you feel this is the beginning of the end of Christianity? Like, what's going on? Because again, sometimes there may be some other doubts and Mark 2.26 is not the issue. But if we get past all of that and it really becomes clear that Mark 2.26 is the issue, I would not only want to listen, I would want to engage and not to engage. Now, listen, I would want to engage not in order to try to prove them wrong. I would take it more like, wow, you bring up some very interesting arguments here about Mark 2.26. Would you mind working with me? To see if we can find an answer. Now, like, like when we're done, you may still be done with Christianity. But if you're bothered by this, I'm bothered by this. So I would at least like to work with you and not, not, not in order to try to prove them wrong. I would be like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to struggle with this. Now, I may come to an answer that you disagree with, and I'm not going to be there to argue with you. But if you since you've been working on this, let's work together. I would take it more that approach. I wouldn't take the approach. Oh, that's it. I'm going to. Oh, no, no. Look, 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 look. Like I found a I did a Google search. This article proves you wrong. I, I, I just think that that argumentative defensive approach is useless. I just think it's useless. I really do. Maybe in some cases it works. I just think it just creates animosity in a fight. I would be like, wow, and you've got me worried now. You've got me concerned now. And you, you want to spend a couple of hours working on it? A couple of months? A year? However long? Now, and I would tell them, I'm, I, look, I, I, I may, I may come to a different conclusion, but at least we can work together. And then all, then when it's all said and done, you've done everything you can to show respect, honor, love, compassion, mercy, grace, and you've worked with them to try to find the answer. And you've tried to be fair and honest with the problem of the passage. I think that's the approach we should take. Now, you can you can tell me whether you agree or disagree, and that's kind. Of, but but we, if you disagree, that's fine. This series may not be for you because that's kind of the approach I'm going to take. I'm going to take this approach like this: that I was in school with Bart Ehrman, and all of a sudden one day in class, he's like, "Wait a minute, Mark two twenty six. This makes no sense." I think I'm done with Christianity. I'm not saying that's the way he he did it. I'm just saying telling the story. Like, I'm just imagining I'm sitting right next to him and I'm looking over going, whoa, wait, wait, what just happened? Wait, Mark 2.26 disproves the Bible. Oh man. Okay, let's 
Let's see what we can do to come up with an answer. I'm just going to look at this. We're going to work on this. I don't know how many parts, and I'm going to take some interesting, I'm going to take a long and winding road to try to get there. And I'm not saying we're going to come up with a definitive answer, but if Mark 2.26 was the thing that basically destroyed Mark, uh, destroyed Bart Ehrman's faith, then... (laughs) then I think we need to ha- give it some serious consideration. So that's the way I approach Well, let's go back and read this again. All right. In his introduction section, the introductory section of the 2005 best-selling book, Misquoting Jesus, Bart Ehrman pointed to one verse in the Gospel of Mark as being the reason for him renouncing his belief in divine inspiration of Scripture and eventually leading to the abandonment of Christianity entirely. That verse was Mark 2.26. I I, I, I didn't want to reveal that it was Mark 2, 26 till right then. And I know I slipped up and kind of revealed it a little earlier, but it's Mark 2, 26. Sorry, I, I wanted the dramatic dun, 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 dun. And I just kind of just slipped and just threw it out there, not in its proper order or place. I apologize for that. Now, now I'm mad. I want to, I want to do this over, but there's no doing this over. Okay, but that's all right. So Mark 2, 26. It is a saying of Jesus narrated by the evangelist in the context of one of several episodes of conflict with the religious authorities. In this case, the broader context, Mark 2, 23 to 28, concerns a dispute over the actions of Jesus' disciples and picking grain on the Sabbath, which appeared to the Pharisaical to the, to the Pharisees to be in violation of the Torah. All right. So that, that's the kind of the, there's this controversy happening. Jesus disciples are walking along. They pick some grain on the Sabbath. The Pharisees that are looking on are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just violated the Torah. Wait a minute. You just violated the law. You can't do this. That's, that's the context of, of, of the conflict that happens. All right. In response Jesus appeals to the actions of David in 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 9, as both a precedent and justification, concluding with pronouncements on the purpose of the Sabbath and about his own Christological identity and authority. In his reference to David taking the pre-showbread during his flight from Saul, Mark has Jesus saying that David's actions took place, or as the verse, or, 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 uh, let me read this, or as commonly, okay, let me say this again. Mark has Jesus saying that David's actions took place in the time of a certain individual, a certain individual if I can say his name right, Abiathor, Abiathor, if I can say it correctly, Abiathor, Abiathor, Abiathor. That is who he says this takes place during Abiathor. And if you go back and look, well, we could open up the text, but we'll go through this. I'll read this all together here, okay? So Mark has Jesus saying that David's actions took place in the time of Abiathor, the high priest. But Ehrman noted in the in this verse what many before him have observed, namely that in the text of 1 Samuel 21, the priest interacting with David was Ahimelech, the father of Abiathar, not, Abia, not Abiathar himself, 
who would only later become high priest. So Mark seems to say that his interaction is with um, Abiathar. I keep wanting to say Abiathar. I don't know why I want to say it a different way. Um, Abiathar. That's who Mark places it with. Samuel says it's Ahimelech, which is the father of Abiathar. Okay, that's that's the the issue. Wait, wait a minute. This one says it's Abiathar. The other one says it's Ahimelech. Wait, it, it can't be both. How does this work? It's a contradiction. This destroys the Bible. Now, immediately when some people hear that, they're like, wait a minute, that that's the problem. Abiathar, Ahimelech. Abiathar, Ahimelech. Wait, so one's the father of the other, and this is what... Some people will just shrug their shoulders and go, it's no big deal, but we should at least consider it's big enough that it destroyed supposedly Bart Ehrman's faith. Now, some people say, well, his faith obviously wasn't strong in the first place. Well, obviously that's true, but... You at least consider this. If we're going to claim that the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God, that it is perfect and it is without error, we at least have to address, well, wait a minute, why does Mark have uh, Abiathar, the high priest, being that this is where this took place, and someone else, uh, and First Samuel, seems to have it being Ahimelech, there's got to be an answer. Now, is the answer simple? Is the answer simple because we just want a simple answer? Or is the answer really sufficient enough and Bart Ehrman was just unwilling to see it? Now, what, let's re, I'm going to put this all back together, right? And I'm sorry that Abiathor a was causing me so many problems. When I look at it, I want to see it a completely different way, but okay. Here we go. So let's go through this again. In the introductory section of his 2005 best-selling book, Misquoting Jesus, Bart Ehrman pointed to one verse in the Gospel of Mark as being the reason for him renouncing his belief in the divine inspiration of Scripture and eventually leading to his abandonment of Christianity entirely. The verse was Mark 2.26, a saying of Jesus narrated by the evangelist in the context of one of several episodes of conflict with the religious authorities. In this case, the broader context concerns the dispute over the actions of Jesus' disciples in picking grain on the Sabbath, which appeared to the Pharisees to be in violation of the Torah. In response, Jesus appeals to the actions of David in 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 9, as both a precedent and justification, concluding with pronouncements on the purpose of the Sabbath and about his own Christological, uh, Christological identity and authority. In his reference to David taking the priest's showbread, during his flight from Saul, Mark has Jesus saying that David's actions took place in the time of Abiathar, the high priest. Ehrman noted in this verse what many before him observed, namely that in the text of 1 Samuel 21, the priest interacting with David was Ahimelech, the father of Abiathar, and not Abiathar himself who would only later become high priest. After attempting to develop a solution to the problem, Ehrman came to believe that Mark was in error, and in his words, the floodgates opened. Ehrman concluded that the text of the New Testament as a whole was untrustworthy and has since continued to promote that message. Now, while Ehrman's response to the problem 
is more extreme than that of the typical interpreter. It is true that the temporal phrase in 226 has stymied readers for centuries and continues to be an exegetical uh, incubus for commentators. For example, Daryl Bach is representative of many scholars when referencing the problem in a recent commentary. He concluded this, no clear resolution exists. That, that's a commentary. No clear resolution exists. No clear solution exists. There's no way to resolve this. There's no clear way to resolve this. Now, I know immediately I'm going to get 500 emails going. What are you talking about? It's so simple. It's not even an issue. This is ridiculous. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I can understand maybe you wanting to go there, but at least consider the fact that for centuries, very learned people in Bible colleges, seminaries, and in the church have said, I don't know if there's a good solution here. And at least for Bart Ehrman, this was the end. This was, everything fell apart right here. Wait, Mark 2.26, Abiathar? No, First Samuel, it's Ahimelech. But Ahimelech is the father of Abiathar. So, I mean, at least they are, at least the names are connected. I mean, at least to me, that at least gives me something to work with. Like, it'd be one thing if it's like one says it's this individual who has no connection to the other. But in this one, we have Abiathar and Ahimelech, and at least one's the father of the other. We have at least a, you know, a connection. There's at least a connection. That makes me feel somewhat better, right? Like if there was no connection at all, I'd be like, whoa, we got a massive contradiction here. But if there's a connection, that at least gives me, that gives me some hope, all right? That, that immediately gives me at least, I, I can at least start trying to kind of plot out some options. I'm not saying the options are perfect, but at least gives me some idea. Uh, so at least according to one commentary, no clear resolution exists. Some commentators, while they may acknowledge the problem, do not attempt to explain it. <laughs> That's what you're going to find in a lot. Hey, there, there's a problem here, but hey, we're not really going to worry about it. It's not, we're not concerned with it because we believe the Bible to be the word of God. So we're not going to worry about what these skeptics say. That's how some Christians approach it. Hey, we're just not going to worry about it. All right. For others, the discussion of the issue occupies no more than a sentence or maybe regula regulated to only a short footnote. Still others avoid the discussion entirely, not even mentioning the problem and focusing on other aspects of the passage. Regardless of the length or detail of the respective analysis, what most interpreters seem to share in common is a lack of confidence in the sufficiency of the answers that have been proposed. Their theory is, hey, the reason no one really addresses this is because no one really has any confidence in the answers. Here's what I think. Pastors, for some weird reason, almost have a fear of asking tough questions. They're like, no, no, no. If I'm going to create doubt, I'm going to create confusion. And I hate that approach. My thing is I will create the confusion. I will create the doubt. I'll do it right here so that you'll be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine right here. And finally, when we come up with at least an answer, you're never going to be tossed to and fro with this problem ever again, because no one's going to ask near the number of questions that I asked you in dealing with it. 
That's why so many times I ask questions or sometimes people will ask me a question and I respond with questions because if I get you bouncing back and forth and confused and struggling, if I, if I lead you through that, when it's all said and done, if you ever come into contact with the problem again, you'll be like, well, man, that guy in the Theology Central podcast asked me 900 questions. I still don't even know if I know an answer, but nobody else is going to be able to cause me any confusion because he He's the one who, uh, that, that's my approach. But some pastors are like, no, if, if, we, if we get into Mark 2, let's just focus on the story, uh, focus on maybe issues pertaining to the, the Sabbath or to Christological issues. We're not going to get, we're, they feel like it's almost getting sidetracked. It's almost just um, uh, a, a nuisance. It's just a distraction. And I'm like, no, it's a textual issue. Abiathor or Ahimelech. There, those are two different people. Why does one seem to indicate it happens here? One seems to indicate this is the priest. Who was the priest? What happened? How do we reconcile this apparent problem? And I'm saying an apparent problem. So if you if you look at Mark 2.26, if you look at Mark 2.26, we read this, Mark 2.26 how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the shoe bread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. Please note, he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, 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 why can't I not say his name right? Abiathar, um, uh, the high priest, and did eat the shoe bread. It was in the days of Abiathar, the high priest. It was in the day. It seems to indicate that it was in the days he was high priest. So does 1 Samuel completely contradict that? I mean, I could throw out some solutions right now, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. In fact, let's just do this really quick. So Mark 2.26 2.26, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, right? There's Abiathar. Then if we go to 1 Samuel, let's go to 1 Samuel. I'm going to mark, mark, okay? Let's go to 1 Samuel. Let's go to 1 Samuel. And I'm not, I'm not going to give you the answer tonight. We're, this is just going to start a series where we're going to work on this. Uh, 1 Samuel 21, I don't know why I thought it was 26. 1 Samuel 21, all right. And then you'll know, uh, then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech, the priest, the king hath commanded me a business and hath said to me, let no man know anything. So he's dealing with Ahimelech. He, that's who he's dealing with. That's who he's dealing with. Mark 2, it's not Ahimelech. It is how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest. Now, you have to go, well, wait a minute. Are, are we sure these, these are the exact same, the exact same event? We have to figure that out. Are we sure that there weren't two high priests serving at that time? 
Was Ahimelech the priest and Abiathar the priest at the same time? Is that possible? Was there an overlap in their priesthood? If there was, both could be true and it would not be a contradiction. That's a possibility. The issue is, what are the, this is what we're going to try to figure out. How do people typically handle it? That's what we're going to do. Then we're going to try to make a record of all the different approaches to the text. And then we're going to look at how to possibly resolve it. Because I think this is important. So here's our first assignment. All right. First assignment is to make sure you can say Abiathar the correct way. Okay. I want to say Abiathar. I don't know why. I when I look at it, that that's my whenever I see it. Uh, in fact, where where I'm looking here, I want to say Abiathar. I want to, uh, but it's Abiathar. I don't know why I want to say Abiathar. I don't know why I want to say that, but it's Abiathar. Okay, I'm, 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 I don't know why I want to say Abiathar, but it's Abiathar. It, it, you may say it's no big deal. It's a big deal to me when I say it incorrectly because it's embarrassing. And then my face turns all red while I'm here behind the microphone. It's embarrassing. But Abiathar and, and Ahimelech. All right. So first thing is we want to say the names correctly. And I'm not joking around. Whenever I say them incorrectly, it is a big deal because you wanna, you're dealing with God's word. So you want to be as accurate as you can be. Sometimes what drives you crazy, you listen to 10 sermons and you hear 15 different ways of saying a name. And usually that one of those sermons is just mine where I say it 15 different ways. But you get the idea. I, I've gone to I've gone to Bible colleges where, uh, or, you know, different Bible colleges where I'll hear a name pronounced one way in one Bible college and a completely different way in another Bible college. And I'm like, wait, what? What? Uh, what's, wait, wait, so which is the right way? Okay. So, and so then I just make up my own is what I do. All right, but there we go. So here's what we're going to do. And I think this will be fun. And, and, and I will do it myself and you can, and, and I want you to participate with this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab the Edify Christian podcast app and just put in Mark 2. And look for any sermon that seems to be, maybe they'll give you the scripture references where they're going to wait cover Mark 2.26. Just find the most random sermon. Just go to the Edify Christian Podcast app, boom, Mark 2, whatever shows up. If you, if it's clear the sermon's going to cover Mark 2.26, just listen to it. And this is what you, what did they, how did they handle it? Do they even address the problem? Do they even acknowledge the problem? Do they, do they, are they finished with the problem in 10 seconds? What do they say about the problem? And if they do offer a solution, what is their solution? And do they actually prove their solution or just say, here's the solution. I'm not going to tell you how I came up with this. I'm not going to tell you the source. Just boom. And they're like, do they spend 10 seconds with it? So go to the Edify Christian podcast app. All right. That's an easy one to get. Then the Sermons 2.0 app, Mark 2. Mark 2, look for a sermon that covers Mark 2.26. Boom. Listen, what do they say about it? What, 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 whatever. And then you can go to, if you want, sermon.net. You can download that app. I, I, I was looking for, that was the first app I started looking, and I found at least one sermon with Mark 2. There was a bunch of sermons on Mark, some on Mark 2, but I found one that deals with Mark 2.26. I want you to find three sermons. I don't want you to go looking. I do not want you. This is so important. I don't want you to go find the sermon. I don't want you to go find a podcast or lecture that's like an apologetic argument for the right way to understand Mark 2, 26. I don't want you to do that. I just want you to find, just pick the most random sermons on Mark 2, 26 
and just see what they do. In other words, I want to see how Mark 2.26, this is what I want you to see. I want you to see how it's typically handled just in your average sermon in your average church. I don't want you to go, well, oh no, I know this podcast where they 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 spent you know six weeks working on the right way to understand Mark 2.26, or they debated Bart Ehrman over Mark 2. No, 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 no. I don't want you to go find the apologetic arguments. I want you to see how Mark 2.26 is handled just in your everyday sermon. And this is the reason this is so important. This is the reason this is so important. Is because sometimes we need to realize that the reason some people end up in college, maybe by, it can even be in a Bible college, a seminary, it could be anywhere. And all of a sudden their whole faith becomes shattered because they hear something is because they never heard it in church. The church never dealt with it. The church never talked about it. The church just kind of like pretended it didn't exist. And when you pretend something doesn't exist, sooner or later, your people are going to stumble upon the textual variant. They're going to stumble upon the problem. They're going to stumble upon the issue. So your job is to bring the, up the issue. So I'm just curious if we just pick the most, like three different apps, Sermons 2.0, Sermon.net, and Edify, Christian podcast app, and just find the most random, the, I mean, the very first sermon that pops up that we can clearly tell they're going to cover Mark 2.26. Just listen and just see. And what you're just listening for, they didn't cover the issue. Or they mentioned the issue, but they, they mentioned it and was done in about two minutes, 32 seconds. And they didn't even give me the source of why that argument is the correct answer. Or do they acknowledge 2,000 years of church history? Nobody really has a good solution. Next, or do they say, we're going to spend the two weeks trying to figure it out. I think what we're going to hear in most of just the random sermons is a lot of ignoring it. That's what I feel is going to occur. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I feel that a lot of the average church just is not going to get near this. And I want you to witness that for yourself because that explains a lot of the, well, deconstructing. A lot of people deconstruct because they get confronted with something that they never were confronted with one time in their entire life in the church. And then they don't know what to do. Now, I'm not saying, wait, Mark 2, 26, G, uh, Jesus seems to be, the mark seems to indicate that Jesus' issues was with, 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 with uh, he was dealing with the high priest Abiathar. Abiathar, see, I see, I want to see Abiathar. Abiathar, Abiathar, yeah, Abiathar, okay. Um, yeah, that, I, I always, uh, Abiathar, Abiathar. I say, I, there's, I just want to merge those two together into a new word, right? So Jesus says it's that Abiathar, but wait a minute. First Samuel seems to say it's Ahimelech. This, this, is, this is the beginning of the end. I'm not saying that it, it should be the beginning of the end because again, there's a connection there between the two that I think has to be where we start finding an answer. But if other people feel like it's a big deal, then who am I just to say, ah, your concerns are irrelevant. Your concerns don't matter to me. No, what we're going to do is we're going to see how the church in 2022, just on an average Sunday, handles Mark 2.26. Do they go, Abiathar here, Ahimelech here, no big deal. Or do they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Guys, did you just see the problem? Abiathar is mentioned here, Ahimelech is mentioned here. Do you, do you feel the problem? Do they acknowledge it or do they not even... 
I, I, my, my, my personal thought is they're going to say, well, Abiathar is mentioned in Mark 2. Ahimelech is mentioned in 1 Samuel. But uh, Ahimelech and Abiathar were priests at the same time. So therefore, there's no contradiction. That's where I think it's going to go. I think that's just going to be like the basic answer thrown out. And then everyone in the pew will just be like, amen. Like no big deal until they get confronted with someone going that. Now, it may work. That answer may actually work. It may not work. I'm not I'm not making any predictions right now, but um, I think it's something to look at. I, th- I think it's something to look at. And so I, we're going to review some sermons. We're going to review probably three sermons. And when I say review, we're not going to really try to review the whole sermon. We're going to at least review the sermons up to a point where it becomes obvious they're not going to address the problem. They're just going to skip it or that they're going to address the problem. And once they address the problem, then we'll stop. So we, we're going to review up to the point where we realize they're not going to deal with it or, or, or we're going to review up to the point they deal with it. So that, that should save us some time in our sermon reviews. And, uh, and, if, and if you have one that you find, you can, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Whatever three you find, whatever three you find, just email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We may have chosen the same ones. We may choose different ones. And then I'll just grab random ones and just say, here we go. We'll do that for a couple of days. I don't know how long it will take, a week or whatever. We'll try to get those reviews. Then we'll go to a paper written in a theological journal where they attempt to try to figure out some solutions to the Mark 2.26 issue. Abiathar? Ahimelech. Which is it? Now, some of you are going to be, it's Abiathar. No, it's Abiathar. Okay, it's not Abiathar. It's Abiathar. I know it is. I'm telling you it is. Okay. And someone's going to say, uh, it's no big deal. And I understand that. It may not be. But I mean, Bart Ehrman became kind of the leading critic of the Bible. I mean, think about his influence from, if you go back to the early 2000s, I mean, he was ever NPR, he was everywhere. His books were best-selling books. I mean, Bart Ehrman was super influential. There's no way to deny his influence. And who knows how many people were greatly influenced to start questioning Christianity because of him. And it all started because of Mark 2, 26. That was the verse that did it. I, I'm, I'm just, to be honest, I'm blown away by that. Like, I could think of a million issues I could have with Christianity. And I don't think Mark 2, 26 would ever rise to anything in the top 100. I really don't. I mean, again, and mainly because... Abiathar and Ahimelech, father, son, there's a relationship there. There's, there's, a fam, there's a family relationship there. So that at least draws a connection. So that at least gives me some kind of, okay, there's got to be a way to work this out. It, I mean, there's so many other things in the Bible that drives me crazy. Like I, I've said so many times, to me, the, the verse, the, the most difficult verse in the entire Bible is Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm like, I, because I'm reading Genesis 1-1 after living on the earth. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you going to create the earth when it's going to turn into this mess? Pain, child abuse, rape, child molestation, murder, disease, cancer, plague, famine, I mean, drought, disease. I mean, come on. What, 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 what do you, no, don't do it. Right. Like, I'm not, that's my concern. 
And, and, and you can come up with all the excuses in the world, but it's still a God who's all-powerful and all-knowing, creating a world where he, he well, he knows what's going to happen. And wait, he created the, the very being that's going to come into the garden to cause the temptation. And then after the temptation, I mean, I could just ask him, I mean, Genesis 1-1 is where all my problems start. I mean, it's like Mark 2-26 or Genesis 1-1. Where does your problem start? Uh, not Mark, not Mark two twenty six. Okay, uh, my only problem with Mark two twenty six is is Abiathar or Abithar. My my issue is saying the name. Okay, that's my issue. My issue is wait a minute, wait a minute. It's Ahimelech in First Samuel. Oh no, what do I do? It's the end of everything. No, for me, I'm like I'm still back here in Genesis one one. That's where I'm struggling. I, I, I got, I'm a, I'm a million miles away from uh, Abiathar and uh, uh, Himalek. I'm, I'm a million miles away from that problem. So, but, um, but for others, it's, it's Mark two twenty six. It's the beginning of the end for them, or it was the, not just the beginning of the end. It was the end. So that's what we're going to do. So your goal, your, your, your assignment is simple. Three, I mean, I'm telling you the most random sermons you can find. Sermon.net, Edify Christian Podcast app, and Sermons 2.0. Those are three easy apps to download. They're free. All you got to do is find a sermon. Boom, boom, boom. Find a sermon. Let me know. You can listen to the sermon if you want. I may end up choosing yours to review if you share it with me. And then we will we'll see what conclusions we can come up to, come up with. We'll see. So I don't know if, I don't know if this is a, if this is worth, I don't know if this series is worth its time. I don't know if it is because there's other series I need to work on. There's other things I need to do, but um, yeah, I, I, I subscribe to this. It's kind of like a theological journal and uh, in the edition of that theological journal, they, they, they mention, basically it's called uh, revisiting the time of uh, Abiathar, the high priest interpretation, methodology, and ways forward for understanding Mark 226. All right. That's the, uh, uh, the article that was written again, revisiting the times of Abiathar, the high priest, interpretation, methodology, and ways forward for understanding Mark 226. Um, the abstract for this uh, theological journal is uh, Mark 2.26 has presented itself as a difficult textual and historical problem for interpreters. Mark narrates Jesus describing an action of David, which is said to happen during the priesthood of Abiathar. But in the Old Testament sources, this detail appears inaccurate and is absent from the Matthean and Lucan, Lucan versions. This article will first examine three types of problems that arise in interpreting the text and will then evaluate two types of solutions that have been proposed. The aim of this article is to highlight the limitations of previous approaches and to argue for a third type of solution as best option for understanding the text, which is based in a narrative reading of Mark's Christology. Now, you're going to be like, that sounds like a seminary people paper. Yes, that's what it sounds like. Um, and that's good. We will work through all of that, but we're going we're gonna to take a long and winding road to get there. I could just take the article right now and go, here's their approach, and, but no, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. We're going to take a long ways to get there. This article was written by William Bowles, uh, B-O-W-E-S, and uh, well, we'll see that what his approach is later, but we're going to take a long time to get there because I just want to interact 
with the typical church on a typical Sunday where the pastor is preaching Mark 2, 26. I want us to see what happens in that setting. Then we're going to blow up that setting and go, this is how we should handle it. And then I'll approach it on, on like, here's a lot of different options. Here's some things we could do and just try to throw out some just talking out loud, trying to work through it. And then when we're kind of left with, I don't know if any of this works, then we'll dive into this uh, seminary article, theological journal article, and see what this narrative reading of Mark's Christology, how that supposedly is a solution to the Mark 2.26 problem, where Abiathar is seen as the high priest, but 1 Samuel, which appears to be the historical account of this, mentions uh, Ahimelech and not Abiath- uh, not Abiathar. Say, I want to see Abiathar again. Um, Abiathar. There we go. I, I hope I accomplished something here. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I look forward to hearing from you and then Hopefully, maybe, I don't know, I don't know if tomorrow night we'll get a chance to work on any of this, but if not Thursday night, Friday night, we'll definitely start digging in and we'll, we're going to, we're going to come up with some solutions. Trust me, we're going to, it should, we're going to try to make it fun. We're going to try to make it fun. Put it this way. If, if, if you, if you don't have, if you don't have any fun, just go back and listen to this episode and listen to me mess up a Biathar, Abiathar, and you can have fun mocking me. There you go. So, so at least you'll have something fun to do. Right. But now hopefully we have fun just struggling with this and maybe we'll learn a lot of about hermeneutics and biblical interpretation. I promise you I'll make it fun. All right. There we go. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll we'll get back to this new series. Wow, I would love to do it tomorrow night, but I don't think we'll be able to. Maybe. Now, I was going to say I could do this for church tomorrow, but I'm not. I'm not. Because we're going to do the sermon reviews first, and I can't do the sermon reviews live from the pulpit. So um, we'll, we'll, Thursday, that'll be the next time that we'll work on it. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.